0: My name is Georgiana. I am CEO and founder of BeagleCat and soon you will be listening to Employer Branding The Inside Podcast. In this podcast, I regularly talk to Employer Branding Managers, Talent Acquisition Managers and Human Resources Managers in tech companies in Germany, Romania and the US. For more content on employer branding related themes, go to employerbranding.tech or BeagleCat.com. Stay tuned! Good morning, everyone. Good evening, Mark. This is Georgiana with the Employer Branding The Inside Podcast, a new episode. I haven't done any new episodes in quite a long time because I've, uh, I've embarked on a new work journey, but I'm starting again strong and this time with a guest from Australia. I've never spoken to anyone from Australia about employer branding before, so I'm really curious to see the differences are if there are any in any case his name is mark puncher good evening i say good evening because it's evening in australia welcome and thank you so much for doing this
1: thank you very much georgiana it's uh, really great to join you
0: just to to give you a bit of an introduction and then of course um, mark can can add some some info to everything i'm saying um he's the founder of employer branding australia which correct me mark if i'm wrong is an employer branding consulting company. Is that yep, it?
1: Yeah.
0: That's right. And you've worked quite a bit in employer branding for public administration, which I have to say is uh, something very unusual for for us here in Europe, at least, um, getting employer branding <laughs> well, in yeah, public not
1: administration. So much, not so much public administration. Um, it was a company called Employment Office, which is actually a corporate recruitment business. But but uh, uh, And there so I was okay. hoping. what what i what i will say to you is i've done an awful lot of employer branding in the last five years for the public sector for government and not for profit as well and it's absolutely
0: got it got it so something something is moving i'm happy to to hear that and as i was saying since you're the first person from australia that is joining us on this podcast i'm wondering i hope my question is not uh, far-fetched are there any differences that you could Um, observe between how employer branding is done in Europe and how it is done in the U S or Australia?
1: Yeah. You know, I think I'd say two things. The first is that um, the market in Australia is a lot more nascent. It's a lot earlier on than it is Mm -hmm. in many countries in Europe and certainly in the U S and to a degree, the UK where I'm from originally. Um, But don't be fooled. Um, People are moving quite fast in this space Mm -hmm. and critically, I think the thing that um australia does very well um, based on how australia wants to be and wants to behave is authenticity so there are plenty there's plenty of pr and gloss and hype here as well as there is in every country but i think australians and people in australia tend to reject too much um hyperbole too much marketing and pr gloss so Mm -hmm. I i think what certainly what we've done over the last five years, we focus very, very clearly and unapologetically on truth and authenticity, Mm -hmm. telling candidates, here's why we think we're a great choice, here's why we might not be, or here's why you'll probably wanna run a mile. Um, Videos, you know, we do videos and, and storytelling through video, no actors, no scripts, no stock images. So I think Australia, you know, certainly through the clients we're working with and some others are stealing a bit of a march around that. Whereas I think some of the more developed markets, um, my view, it's a bit controversial, but my view is we've gone way too far down the brand agency, high gloss uh, route. Yeah,
0: I agree. I agree. And although many of the people I've spoken to on this podcast advocate authenticity, they don't really do it as out loud <laughs> as you do it. So, so now let's talk yeah. a little bit about imperfect, Organizations and uh, and people, of course, how can imperfection and authenticity be a trump card for companies looking to to build their eb their employer brand?
1: Well, you know what, Georgiana, how could it not be? Um, the, the first of all, okay, we need to understand, and and I, I see where you've got this from. We, we're very clear. We help fantastic imperfect organizations to attract right. fantastic imperfect people and keep them engaged when somebody decides to join an organization when an organization decides to offer somebody a job this is not just a purchase it's certainly not a transactional purchase so we know about the importance of customer experience and selling and inspiring people of course but it's the start of an extremely important relationship and a collaboration so we're very clear and i'm very clear when i go to work every day i know that i am helping um, to make people's lives better, and to make their children's lives better, and their loved ones' lives better. Why? Because how we feel at work massively impacts how we are away from work, which obviously impacts our children and our, our loved ones, our friends. So, mm-hmm. when you when you start that relationship with an employer, you're making the decision: yes, they're paying you to do a job, and that's the foundation. But the impact that that going wrong can have on you as a person and your life, the impact that can have on the employer and the company is absolutely huge. So how could you not start with authenticity? You know, it's not about, oh, sell them the dream and then, you know, hope you live up to some of it. The worst result of a recruitment campaign is not failing to hire someone, it's hiring the wrong person. And the wrong person isn't a bad person. It could be someone for whom you're not a great choice in terms of what matters to them. And the worst result of hiring the wrong person is not if they quit quickly, it's if they stay. So we keep seeing cultures rotting and, and, and eroding away based on apathy and people who are disconnected or people who feel oversold or disconnected from the employer they choose to work for. And we wonder why. So number one, uh, I'll be super sharp with this last bit. Number one, if you oversell to a candidate, let's say you have a toxic team that they're joining a team with some people who are really negative right now. Maybe they're exhausted from lots of change or whatever. Why would you hide that during the recruitment process? when they're going Mm -hmm. to see it straight away arrive. But the second thing that is super important, and you, you named it as a trump card, when you showcase to talent in the advertising, in the recruitment marketing, in the employee branding, and during the candidate experience, when you showcase to them the work in progress, the challenges, the stuff that isn't so good, the stuff that you want your people to help you solve, whether it's cultural or processes and systems or whatever it is, when you showcase that, for the people who can't handle that, of course they'll be put off. That's a great result. You don't want to hire someone for an organization if you're going through a lot of change. Maybe you, you've had a big restructure and everybody's very uncertain. If somebody can't cope with that environment, they'll, they'll make the problem worse. When you showcase that to the right people, they will see it as part of the attraction. But what I'm seeing a lot of, I love that you said everybody talks about authenticity, nobody's doing it. Um, there's a lot of curated authenticity. So yeah, we don't give people scripts and we don't tell them what to say, but we do brief them within an inch of their life before we turn the camera on. And so they just sound rehearsed anyway. If somebody on your careers video looks like it's a hostage video and they're being forced to say things, you should never have done one in the first place. You know, it's worse than not having anything. So authenticity is super powerful and I've seen that it consistently drives better results.
0: I think, I I personally think that the most important thing about what you're saying is that the moment one of the two parties breaks the chain of inauthenticity, then the other might do so. And of course, it's usually up to the company and maybe easier for the company to do it first. And then during the interview, maybe the candidate is going to, to, to be more honest because like James Ellis told me once, everybody lies, both parties lie.
1: So then let's, you know, yeah. You've made a really, really great point there. And interviews, you know, we're very, I'm very clear. Um, if you, unless you're trying to hire professional interviewees, why would you treat an interview like a test where you're trying to catch someone out or see who answers the question the best we are delivering interviews and you know what, this is absolutely relevant to employee branding. Anybody who's thinking this isn't employee branding has missed the point entirely. Employer branding is not about a campaign. An EVP is not a campaign. Your EVP should EVP should throw, flow through your entire uh, recruitment process, your onboarding and your employee lifecycle all the way through to exit. But in those interviews, you're absolutely right. When I'm hiring into my own team, it's essential for me that I create an environment where I can have honest conversations with the person. So if I'm asking them, the classic thing is, oh, tell me about your greatest weakness or your area for development. And that's a rubbish question. And, and, and they'll give me a rubbish answer. They'll all tell me, oh, sometimes I work too hard. Yeah. Or sometimes I care too much. And we all know we're doing this dance full of lies. And actually, I'd rather say to people, hey, let me tell you my biggest failings, then I want you to tell me yours. You know, What are the things that you hate about yourself What that you struggle with? you know if i if, if this role doesn't work out if you join us and it doesn't work what's gone wrong and we we create these incredibly open conversations whereby people can can explore that with us but it starts with really believing genuinely no one i'm employing is perfect we're not perfect let's figure out whether the problems we're trying to solve in our own lives and in our company whether that collaboration can help us move forward in that space
0: absolutely and we've uh, we've covered already the the key components of employer branding done right so then i'm going to jump to to our next topic which is maybe a little bit overused or over spoken about but still always actual because i still see a lot of mistakes being made and that is uh, job descriptions and i'm wondering what would you say are the top three mistakes that companies make when
1: writing a mm. job description. And I think the point I'll make from an English perspective is I'll say the difference between a job ad and a job description or a position description. So one of the mistakes people make is they take the job description and put it all in the ad. And we need to understand the difference a job description or position description is a legal document that protects the employee and protects the employer for example if you're going to make someone redundant or if you're going to performance manage someone very different circumstances um the first thing you do is you pull out the job description and you talk about do we still need this role or not is currency this person but what people tend to do is they take the job description and they plonk that in the job ad. A job ad is not a legal document. Now, I, I know that there is some legal ramifications. If you've put it out there, it's part of the legal contract. But realistically, a job ad, you know what? A job ad, everyone says a job ad is a sales tool. It is, but I would rather see it as a magnetic mirror. Your job ad mm-hmm. is designed that the target talent, the people that you believe will thrive in your organization, that they see themselves in your organization and they're attracted to take action. So that's the first thing, trying to cover every single thing. The the next thing that people get wrong and it is a really easy one to solve is they they make it all about themselves. If you want to inspire somebody to take action, if you want to influence somebody, which we're trying to do with a job ad, you absolutely need to start by making it about them. Now there's two things there. One is if your job ad starts with two paragraphs all about you, we are Australia's leading manufacturer of X, Y, Z. Nobody really cares, you know? And the mentality, well, if they care enough about working for us, they'll take they'll take an interest. Not true. The best people in your organization today, at some point, never cared about you. So the first thing is stop talking about yourselves so much. Tell them what they need to know, but fundamentally talk about them. But the next one, which is very tactical, is count how many times you say we, our, or us in your job ads, and how many times you say you, your, or yours. And it'll probably be 85% us and we. So mm-hmm. what we say is switch the language over. It's a very, lingu- very easy linguistic switch, which is when you're saying, we offer, change it to you'll find. When it says, um, you know, a lot of the time we'll say, we're looking for someone who can, or we need the successful kind What about, here's what you'll bring, or here's what you'll get up to every day. So it's those linguistic shifts that actually make the difference. The next mm-hmm. thing I'd say that's really important mm-hmm. is, what people often do is they leave the what you'll get and why you should apply. Either they leave it out completely, basic error, or they put it all at the end. And, and what they're thinking is that they're thinking that the candidate will read through every single thing. So they think that the world mm-hmm. is waiting for them to advertise a role. And when they do, they'll punch the air and they'll, they'll take the day off work or, or they'll, they'll, they'll stop everything to spend some time reading mm-hmm. all the way through. Mm-hmm. This. Exactly. It doesn't happen. So we need to sell the, what you get early, we don't want to go ridiculously in depth because we need to have the functional stuff of what you're going to have to do and what you're going to get and so on. What What do you learn and so on? But actually, it's sell it early, inspire people, and then later on really go into detail around the the, the the why you should join us. And it's combining the functional benefits of that, the functional elements of the EVP, with the cultural, social, and emotional elements.
0: Indeed, and what I would add to this is um, is also that sometimes jobs and job responsibilities are so dynamic. And I don't know where, where I read this at some point, someone um, saying that, why why don't you get a person who's actually working on a job to tell you what they're doing on a day-to-day basis? Because they might be doing other things than the ones they were hired for. And then you'd get the perspective, the complete transparent and you know actual perspective of someone doing that. And you'd get transparency and you'd get authenticity. And the person interviewing would know the entire part of the story so I found that really yeah. really relevant you know because yeah, yeah. many times descriptions are so obsolete that
1: yeah it's, it's a big it's a big challenge and you know I was thinking quite about tactical things of riding the job ad, but strategically I'll tell you what we do consistently with our clients First of all, classic employer branding and recruitment marketing don't just think of one role or the next role you're trying to hire. Look at your recruitment over the next eighteen months. Where are you going to be consistently hiring? Whether you and and by the way, many of our clients have fifty, 100, 200 people. These are not all massive organizations, but let's say you have a role that you're reasonably consistently recruiting for, whether it's four a week or whether it's four a year, but it, but it's a majority role for you. What we do is we put the hiring manager, the people who are hiring into that role, plus people who are doing that job, plus recruiters or people yeah. in culture folks, plus marketers in a room, once a quarter, sit down, don't say how we're gonna fill this role. It's how are we, you know, we know that we're gonna regularly recruit for this role. Who are we targeting? What do we need? What matters to them? How, are, what is our pitch to those people? What is our, if we've got an EVP, how does that cascade to this audience? And then how are we gonna go out there and find them? And all of the answers are in that room. But it's, when I look at job ad briefs, so where a, let's say you've got a recruiter in house and they're going to a hiring manager to do a brief, all of the questions that the recruiter asks are basically saying, who do you want? So it's like the, like the hiring manager is the client and they're saying, who do you want me to get for you? What do they have to have? How many years experience? It's completely the wrong mentality. Of course, we'll say who you're looking for, but critically, um, um, and tell me about those people. What matters to them, as far as you know, and why should they apply? And, and not just what, you know, we've got this EVP, or we know that typically, let's say it's social workers, or maybe it's uh, retail assistants, maybe it's um, project managers, software engineers. We, we have this idea, we've built up this, this um, info bank on why people should join us in this role. Well, what about right now? what are you doing in the next three six nine months that this person is going to be able to be a part of oh you've got a new manager oh you're trying out a new software oh you've developed a new process oh you've got a new you know strategy that you're deploying that's the stuff that makes this relevant and meaningful and that gets you away from the the generic cliche
0: exactly mark is there any employer branding an eba i was going to say an employer branding project that you were that you are or you were super proud of
1: uh, honestly, I'm proud of every single thing we've done. We've probably worked with about 70 clients over the last few years, and I am just, I'm super proud. We've worked with some really big organizations and the ones that I'm proud of there are the ones who broke the mold. I think, I actually think smaller businesses and organizations have the advantage over the bigger players because they're much more agile, not only in their employer branding and their advertising and so on, but in their culture shaping in changing and improving the organization. So the, so the big companies I'm proud of and the big brands I'm proud of are the ones that cut through the bureaucracy and the, and the many layers of approval and sign off and the global comms stuff. (laughs) And they, they did something different. Um, if you have a look at Shine 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 Lawyers uh, here in Australia, they're they're global now, but based in Australia originally, HQ in Australia. I'm really happy that they've broken the mold on legal careers. You know, the idea of what a law career needs to be, a legal career needs to be. They, they've done something much more meaningful, and we've helped them showcase their culture, and not just in the EVP and the messaging, but in the open storytelling one example we did their evp we found loads of amazing stuff but we also found some stuff that was more contentious that was more problematic for their people and so when we when we played it back to their leaders these brilliant executives grabbed this and loved this and said these are the conversations we need to have we're too polite we don't have these conversations so we we, we did a load of storytelling i facilitated some you know warts and all video um panel discussions where i was essentially challenging them about the problem stuff and getting their views we did the same with some of their people so the best stuff with those bigger organizations is opening up the conversations again authentic strategic development whereby we're becoming a better place to work with our people I'll, i'll give you a specific when it comes to the smaller ones um, if you pick an organisation like the Benevolent Society, they are a, a disability services organisation, they do aged care, they do lots of human services. What they didn't, they didn't have the funds or the space to do an EVP yet, but they, they, they wanted to do, they were really struggling to recruit allied health practitioners into disability. And so all they did with us is they commissioned us to plan and deliver some really great content, some short videos and some written content about people in these roles. And of course, anyone who does this for a living and does this well knows it's not just a point of, oh, let's make some nice content. You know, you have to plan strategically. You have to look at personas. You have to think about what is our key message. A great question that very few people seem to ask is once we've thought about our key target audiences, why would they hesitate to apply? Why would they not click? Why would they not submit that application? That's the stuff you have to attack. So we did all of that and we produced these stories. Very, very simple stuff and they achieved incredible results. They'd hired zero people three months previously. In the three months that followed, they hired 44. They, they saved an awful lot of money on recruitment agency fees and temp agency fees. They had a groundswell of connection with their people and employee advocacy, more referrals than they'd ever had through their employees and so on. So that got great results. But I've also seen very ordinary day-to-day you know, unre- un- un- unrecognized employers do this stuff consistently well over time. So we've helped an aged care provider called Swan Care in Perth. You know, check them out. Their website's not glossy at all. The messaging, mm-hmm. the content, it's pretty, you know, it's it's not super clever or sophisticated or swish. It doesn't need to be. In fact, when you're talking yeah. to aged care employees or people going into it, the more authentic and real, the better. So we did that. Mm-hmm. And what they see is, you know, long period there even through a lot of challenge their turnover has been the lowest it's ever been their their attraction has been better than it's ever been it's still hard for some roles but they're consistently outperforming their competitors and when people get there they're saying this is what you promised this is what i expected i can, i've seen your culture i've been following you on social media for a while now and here i am and i'm proud to be here and i'm ready to help you grow and i think that you know they're the ones that i, I i'm really proud of
0: you know, as a as a digital marketer at heart, it's very gratifying for me to see that many people, such as you, in employer branding, sometimes tackle their projects with a marketing approach, but <laughs> heart, so to say. You know, thinking of personas and thinking of the main objections the candidate would have, and how you would tackle that, and then cascade all the messages from from that downwards i think this is yeah it's it's the way we also do it and the way i would think of it and i'm yeah happy to see it confirmed
1: and that's wonderful time. Georgiana. i think it's interesting when you look at you know the awards employer of choice or brand awards that get given it's always the gloss the expensive the very clever mm-hmm. website where ux has been absolutely nailed and i get that you know i get that but there is so much there are most most people on this planet don't work for those big brands. They work for everyday organizations, smaller businesses. They work for, for, for organizations that are not sexy and glamorous. I get super excited to help those organizations. And and it may again, it's not about videos or or, or websites or, or or things like that that really there they shouldn't be an advert for me and my agency they should be an advert for the client that speak to the people they're trying to recruit and retain. And and what we've consistently seen when our clients do this properly, a a good EVP and a good EB strategy will help you attract good good talent. A really great EVP and a really great strategy will help you retain people for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. Help You improve as a place to work and as a commercial organization with your people and through your people. And, And that's what employer branding should be.
0: Yes, and I I firmly believe that people work for people, not for organizations. Mm -hmm. So once you've understood this, I think you get a completely different perspective on your employer branding, or you should at least. (laughs) And uh, now we are close to the end of this episode. And I'm wondering if you have a few predictions for employer branding in 2023.
1: Well, look, I think the biggest one is it's linked to what's going to happen in the world. Um, you know, Many of your listeners will be um, quite familiar with a, uh, a global recession, with a downturn. We have um, a war, an extremely unjust war. We have um, some really fundamental challenges ahead of us. Here in Australia, very few people here are really switched on to the fact that these financial challenges are ahead um, because we are very different and moved away. But I believe that in Australia and, of course, in many other countries, um, we're going to see that change. What's super interesting there is that the classic response is, and unfortunately, I believe we are going to see hiring freezes. We are going to see people lose their jobs. Certainly in some countries, yeah, we are I mean, seeing it. Look at the right. And it, interestingly, though, the tech industry were aggressively hiring people at any cost at pace because their investors were saying, we'll only invest in you if you're growing. And then those investors changed their tune. And then, so the same organizations that were aggressively hiring people are now, are now removing those people. And, and so I think, you know, I don't think it will be as extreme as that in all industries, but that's coming. The point for me is it's not just about, okay, talent attraction will slow and, and there will be challenge there. I don't think your employer branding challenges and needs go away. You know, for a start, let's start talking about how do we drive cultures where people stay with us, not just because they're afraid to quit their job or because they need a job, but because they wanna be here and perform. There's a very big difference between retention and performance and cultural contribution. So that's one. Another one is, you know, if you're laying off people or if there are big changes or there's fear and there's anxiety, what about the people left behind? How are those people feeling? How do we drive uh, the right engagement? And I'm telling you right now that, you know, PR campaigns and glossy campaigns are not going to do the trick. It's about deep connection and truth with your people and open conversations. So I think that's a big one. We know everyone's talked about user-generated content for a long time, and we're getting much better at that and doing that and scaling that. I think there are more and more tools on the market. Um, Again, you know, I I come back down to my real concern is that the, the... the better we get or the more sophisticated we get at automating with AI, at at process and systems and, you know, user-generated content automatically crowdsourced, you know, we've just got to be super careful because the first thing that goes out the window is personalization, true personalization and authenticity. Uh, And I'm not a naysayer of wonderful tech and I think it's brilliant, but I think it'll be interesting. I think this, this, I'm not gonna say this year, but the next two years, will be the years where we see user-generated content, much more uh, automated mm-hmm. strategy and mm-hmm. content coming to the floor. But I think we're going to see some big falls before we see the big wins.
0: OK. Um, I realize now that I actually skipped uh, one of my questions, and it's one that it's, that's, that's very dear and important to me. And that regards laying people off and not losing your brand reputation, your employer brand reputation. Is that possible, you would think?
1: hundred percent you look here's the thing. so I'm a I'm, I'm a business owner of a small business. I, I now employ 19 people, 18 19 I think. Um, and we were five you know a year ago. so things have changed a lot. Um, but but as a manager, as a leader as an owner of a business, I'm very clear with my people that they, they we, we, we work very hard, we invest in them, we support them we, we really are building an incredible culture. And, I, and I'm very clear with people, they, they often think, thank you so much, I love working, I'm so grateful. For me, I'll always say the same thing. Thank you, I'm glad I'm doing mm. this because it's smart business. And it's reminding them, I'm, I'm, I think I'm a decent person, we're good people, right? And we wanna do the right thing. But it's important to remember that the relationship that we have is based on an employment relationship. And what I, the reason I say that is they need to know that there will be times when I'll have to make a hard decision. You know, if if we, you know, and some employers, they have to make hard decisions, the companies that pretend they're everyone's best friend, that, that we're, you know, the ones saying we're like a family and so on. Frankly, a lot of those people are not like that anyway, and that's not the employee experience. But if you haven't set the boundaries right and shaped the relationship right, of course, if you're going out there based on a big old love in forever and then you lay people off, people will feel wrongly. Um, but the biggest one for me if and this is the biggest tip i'd offer anyone and it's leadership advice and culture advice not just employer brand advice treat people with respect and kindness and dignity having to make a hard decision does not make you a bad person but it's how you approach it so ensure and it's not just don't fire people by text you know all that stuff it's obvious right but if you are communicating bad news if you're laying people off look at your leaders who is delivering that message if you've got somebody who's a really good person but isn't very good at that message and isn't you know struggles with that it's too high risk don't have them delivering that message so take this extremely seriously do it with sincerity do it with the person's interest truly at heart and figure out how you can help them make the transition away Mm -hmm. and don't do it actually employer brand. do it because it's the right thing to do and everything else will take care of itself. I see a lot of organizations breaking a lot of sweat, trying to retain a brand and a public perception and show that they're doing the right thing. What I really care about is if I ask your people one-to-one in confidence, how do you feel about this employee you're leaving? It's what they say, that's what matters most. And I've I've met many people who've been made redundant uh, and given a lot of money and given a lot of uh, tangible stuff who leave as massive detractors from their employer. They are very anti because of the way it was handled overall and how they felt. I've seen others who didn't take a lot away. The company couldn't afford to give them much, but they left as huge advocates because they felt they were treated with dignity and respect. And and that's the fundamental piece.
0: Honesty and empathy, huh, in the end.
1: There we go, who'd have thought it?
0: Okay, and as we've reached the end of this episode, a very important question—I won't say the most important question, but one of the most important ones. As a gin lover myself, I'm wondering: Are there any Australian brands of gin that you could recommend? Oh,
1: thank now, you very big. much. So you-
0: the book recommendations usually—I I usually ask from my guests.
1: <laughs> thank you well i can give you both a book and, a, and gin uh, so i am a gin enthusiast I, I say on my signature and on my linkedin i'm a dad a ceo and a gin enthusiast uh, in that order and um the, the the gin that i would absolutely jump to um right now is uh, applewood uh, applewood is doing a huge amount of great stuff and they have many um many varietals um i would also have a look at malfi rosa um with a with a sprig of rosemary and a, a wedge of grapefruit, so that mm. that's well worth it as well. I believe that might actually be European in origin. Um, the um, in terms of a book, uh, I'll tell you right now: read Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides. It's a big read; it takes a while to get into. I did but it will in college.
0: Play. Oh my god! You're right. I love, absolutely adored that book. Thank you for this recommendation.
1: No problem at all. It was a pleasure talking to you, Georgiana. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Mark, and uh, let's stay in touch, okay?
1: Thank you.